Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode number 11 of the Knuckleheads podcast. I'm Nico. I'm Alex. And oh, are we excited because hockey is coming back in just two days. That's right. We're recording this here on January 11th, and the season is right around the corner. This is, this is, this is the Knuckleheads podcast. Knuckleheads podcast. Let's go. Nico, I want to start off by saying for many years now, I've thought, about today, I've thought about this day and how it could bring people together. It could bridge divides between families that I haven't spoken for years. That it could be a day of celebration, a day of reckoning. <laughs> but instead, I don't know how to feel. I oh, feel are you confused. feeling a little bit of uh, confusion, a little sadness? I, I feel sadness for what was because I feel like we all got more enjoyment out of it than any one of us will ever admit. It is the end of an era. And I feel bad for the man. And that man is Louis Erickson. Do you actually feel bad for him? I mean, a little. Like You don't think <laughs> the money will help uh, cheer up his tears? I know, I get that. But his, like, this, he was a really good player for a long time. And he is like, he, he, anytime I bring up, his name or Harry's name, I laugh a little to myself, which is like tough. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's just a joke. And it's, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's unfortunate, but he is. But here's the thing he was a good player Ugh. for a long time. He was a really good player for a brief time. And he executed that More into a, a lot time. of money. He was, true. he was good true. for a long time. I'll give him that. Was, I wouldn't say he, he had one. He was good one, in Dallas. Yes. He was good he was, in Dallas. And then he scored 33 goals in Boston. And they screwed us once again. <laughs> I guess, okay, I got to go on that. I just pulled it up. Yeah. Three, three seventy point seasons in Dallas. That's, that's really good for a long time. All right. I mean, famously, for years, he was considered the most underrated player in the league. And then the one season he was overrated, the Vancouver Canucks gave him $36 million. And then he went back in many ways to being un- underrated ever since. <laughs> <laughs> because of how valuable those, uh, those uh, empty net goals oh, were? I mean, it's true, but like... <laughs> What's funny is even throughout last year when his offensive production like really cratered, really like there was oh nothing. Mm-hmm. He was still finding his way in the lineup. <laughs> he was on the second line. And I thought this year the most likely option for game one was that Louis Erickson was going to be on line number two. Really? Yeah, because that line throughout all of last year became a solid checking line basically for Green where he matched it up because Erickson for all his warts is still a solid defensive player. He's so slow, though. <sighs> I know, it's not. <laughs> it's speed matters on defense now. Speed isn't just uh, about being able to hit a guy. That's why I was surprised. But he provides nothing offensively. <laughs> Gr- Green really feels like the kind of guy that like really wants efficiency. Like I feel like he wants uh, like, planned lineups like this makes sense. And Erickson stayed in for, for so long. I mean, 49 games last season. What? I know. It, it was <laughs> second line. Like, literally a few games in the playoffs. Playing on the second line with Horvan and Pearson. But then he was he was a healthy scratch uh, for the playoffs afterwards, right? Well, he went. I remember one time where he was on the second line. I forget which of the games. I think it was in the. I think it might have been in the Vegas series where he was on the second line, and then they scratched <laughs> him the next game, which is yeah. so rare. They <laughs> second to like, nothing. I know there's no drop down, especially for a defensive player, Probably, like entirely defensive. The the third and fourth liners, Greener was like, can we slide him in? And they're like, nope, we're not going to take him. <laughs> Two or nothing. Louis Erickson. Really shows a lot about the Canucks like strategy against Vegas those last few games. Just get shelled. I don't care. Just please, just survive. 
Well, speaking of uh, today being such a, a great day for the end of an era, I'm particularly excited. I don't have the uh, the sadness that you feel because I think this is going to open some great doors for some exciting players. Uh, but what about the other uh, the waivers today? Uh, nobody that kind of crazy. Were you surprised by, by Bereshi? I mean, I wasn't surprised by it, to be honest. Um, yeah. Like, I w- he was in tough to make it. It seems pretty clear that the organization's just moved on at this yeah. point, which is unfortunate because he's still under contract. Uh, honestly, I mean, once again, personally, like I've like that sh- situation's never like fully sat well with me because I was always a Bear Chief fan. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like even in his last year with the squad, where he put up some decent numbers, especially goals wise, like uh, possession, his possession numbers were absolute garbage. <laughs> and really showed that a, a lot of it was just kind of fortune scoring. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you want to be a competitive team in the NHL, Bearshee probably isn't what you want for the second line. However, I feel like there is a role for him somewhere in the NHL, but largely mm-hmm. because of circumstance here. Like they don't want, they obviously don't see him as a fit in the third or fourth lines, and he's been played off the second line. I thought there was a chance he could make the team just because of that opening on the second line but it seems clear that the organizations turned the page on that. This is the thing because of all the injuries and the, the low games played, like I kind of forgot he's, he's 28 now he should be in his prime. And, uh, and mm-hmm. so maybe you're right. I do think possibly he could find himself as being like a, a hardworking fourth liner for another team out there. But, but no, it was just, it was just done. Like you said, even in his nice moments, it really kind of looked like maybe these were because of other circumstances and not necessarily because of uh, what we wanted from him. Well, he would get a nice stretch going together and, Injuries inevitably played the game for him. I mean, he had that la- brutal concussion in his last year playing up in Vancouver full-time, which was in 17-18. And then, I mean, I forget, he played six games last year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was yeah. still... We were so trying was him up out. With this squad. <laughs> I know. I remember when he came up, I was like, oh, I guess he's back now. That's great. And then they just sent him down. And, I mean, he put together pretty solid AHL numbers, 46 points, 43 games. I mean, it's pretty rare for guys to put up, like, point-per-game numbers in the AHL. And, I mean... That like, that's impressive. what you'd want to see from them. Yeah. And but they it seems clear to me that the organization's kind of turned uh turn the page. What will be interesting to, is to see if he stays in the taxi squad or if they send him down to the uh the AHL. And that's the other thing I want to loop back to Erickson real quick here. Is I mean, there's still a, a very solid chance that Erickson actually plays games this year because there's gonna be honestly a lot of filtering and especially yeah. I mean, with co- like this year more than any other year ever. Depth is going to matter. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I could see 100% Louis Erickson playing this year. Personally, and Dr- Tom Strands brought this up on the VanCast podcast that I was listening to earlier today, that I think, personally, that the Canucks should try to push Erickson to the AHL in the sole extent of being absolutely heartless. I mean, after, especially after I was like, I feel bad for this yeah. guy. I think they should be heartless. I think they should try to send him to Utica, and I think they should try to make him make a decision. Um, how much the four million dollars still owe to him next year? Oh, how much wow. he really wants that versus trying to find another another home? Yeah, versus just kind of going home, just yeah. like because it. this year more than any, if you're a vet being sent to play in the AHL, that's like because your family, there's no way your family's going to be able to go see you. You're going to have to go through these quarantine periods. You're going to play in Utica. I, honestly, if he got sent to Utica, there's a chance he may not play because the connection now sharing the affiliate with the Blues, and there's going to be complete and utter focus on youth. Yeah, no, I don't think he would play for Utica. That's why I'm surprised. I, I understand the point you're trying to make, but like you but, said, depth is going to matter. I thought, like you mentioned, the the salary is the reason for the the waiving, right? But yeah, but if he decided not to report, 
the Canucks can terminate his contract. It's what happened with Zach Bogosian last year. It happened with Patrick Bergerland a few years ago. It does happen in situations. It's and usually it's because the situations are cold and really unfortunate. But to be honest, the Canucks have put themselves in the situation where if they open up $6 million in cap for next year, that changes the game for what they can do. And it changes the game for them being able to sign Hughes and Pedersen long-term instead of to bridge deals, which is definitely in their interest. And to potentially bring a guy in afterwards. They go sign Demko, Hughes, and Markstrom next year. And if you get that $6 million, it really does change the game and it allows you to do a number of other things and not spend assets. The reason I don't why know if you I, want to be that heartless, though. <laughs> the reason why I can fully agree with it is because of what we mentioned with this being such an odd year um, with COVID and the fact that money is going to be so important uh, in the coming years because of this, because of what teams are losing. So I totally understand it from like, it makes a lot of sense for us to try to almost force them out that way. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I could see the Canucks doing something like that. Like you said, if it helps us with, with Pedersen and Hughes in any way, then we should 100% do it. But I could also see a world, he's 35. I could see a world where, like you said, he's starting to get minutes. Maybe he has a good game or two. You know what I mean? Like you never know. No, I'm kidding. But, but I, I don't think, I don't think, uh, I hope we do that. I don't see that happening. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if they put them on the, I don't know when the deadline for sending the taxi squads versus demotion to the AHL is going to be. Yeah. Um, but that'll be interesting between both Berchi and Erickson and which of them ends up on that. There also might be different. I feel like there might be different regulations for not showing up with because of COVID. Like if he were to not show up for Utica, are you sure it means like a for sure like just That's done? True. That is a good point. He may be able to opt out because some players have been able to opt out. Of there are some opt out. Yeah, that is that's actually good. Point. I hadn't thought about that. Um, I don't know. You're right. Well, the As, Canucks. But honestly, the Canucks may not know. At this point, I bet, I bet they probably don't because the AHL doesn't have any agreement on returning to play. Yeah. So it's probably to be determined. Is that be an AHL thing? Yeah. That's and I think, I think we'll That's try it. to save money wherever we can, but I don't know if, uh, if a player is going to get penalized per se this ne- year. Nico, I think you're ahead of the curve here. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is making some this thing out, man. Smart takes here, everybody. Listen true. in while you can. <laughs> I haven't heard that, t- that, that tidbit anywhere else. That's a good point. I don't know if that's actually possible or not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just definitely, like you said, I definitely remember hearing about player opt-outs yeah. being a thing this year. Yeah. So, well, anyways, I think that's enough time about two uh, Canucks wingers that aren't even going to play for the team this year. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Let's get into the Canucks <laughs> off season and talk about what we lost and what we gained. <sighs> to be honest, we'll go over briefly over some of the stuff we lost. I mean, this definitely is a gut punch seeing some of the core guys leave, but and I mean, if you're uncertain as to where I stand on Benning, if you haven't listened to any of the other podcasts. It's fair to say I've not been a huge supporter of all of his moves, I'd say. <laughs> and I will never, ever, ever, ever forgive him for letting Troy Stenter go, to be honest. I'm still, that's the one. That's that was a heartbreaker, really... right? I... That one was surprising to me, too. I'm going to need a... it's You know, he... he I'll give you your moment. Four minutes right now. He was a huge emotional leader to the squad. The fans really identified with him. He just had a huge... I mean, his dad passed away, and he came through, and he scores that huge playoff goal for... <sighs> It's fine. You know what? Troy Setcher is a a Detroit Red Wing now. He is. He is. is. Anyways, other players left too. Fuck it. Whatever. Uh, without getting too much into that, I do actually, <laughs> I do actually think Stetcher could have been playing uh, minutes based on looking at our defense. I do think I, I could have seen him in there. I mean, without a doubt. But whatever. He's gone. They're all gone. Well, so we're did you expect... see them all a ton, which is hilarious. <laughs> did you expect um, like, to Foley to be gone? I mean, I didn't expect all of them to leave, but 
I don't know. I don't really want to relitigate that, to be honest, just because like I they made decisions that I do not understand. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know like But we are a team with prospects. Was. We are a team with prospects. Sure. Anyways, they I mean certainly they brought in some interesting players this year at the very least. Um I'm not like I know like I'm definitely disappointed by losing some of the guys and there's some of the decisions I will not never understand. I don't think the team is in as worse off of shape than I think some of the market are worried about the team. I like, uh, well, their goal fully should be to make the playoffs. And if they don't, I'd say that's a disappointment for the squad. I think, I think the market is worried just because of uh, the division and the names on other teams. I think a lot of the names on our current roster are -hmm. not what you would particularly expect as big names, but I do think they are contributors. I think they've, they've shown that, that they can get to wins with a lot of these guys. Well, I think let's just dive right in to the main loss and the biggest question about this team. Yep. And on, honestly, arguably the biggest acquisition. And that's the addition of Braden Holtby in net. A guy who won the Vesna. What was it? 2015? Was it that long ago already? Yeah, you're right. Uh, no. Yeah, 16, 17. So what? Four years ago. Not that long ago. And he's not that old. <sighs> True. But he had a poor year last year and the year before that and the year before that were so 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 he's won the Vesna and a Stanley that. Cup <laughs> I saw a good breakdown of his style earlier which is that he's kind of all over the place and he will let in bad goals without a doubt I mean if some of those old bad goals Luongo drove you nuts you may not be a Braden Holtby fan but he is a goalie that will make some otherwise spectacular saves and for a team like the Canucks that tends to play loose at times, I think it's fair to say. Having an ability like that, which Jacob Markstrom clearly showed throughout the years, the ability to make a spectacular save is something that will be relied on. Um, the biggest question to me is how Ian Clark and Brayden Holtby's goaltending styles mesh. It's the reason why I don't think, like, I don't feel as worried about the Canucks losing Markstrom and going to Demko and Holtby. It's Ian Clark, and it's the fact that he makes standout goalies year after year. Exactly. And so I fully agree with this. I, Markstrom was amazing. I actually, I had the pleasure of meeting him. I don't know if I told you that at, oh, really? uh, no. at a Canucks camp at yeah. UBC. It was super cool. Uh, but goalie is one of the weirdest positions in hockey today. And uh, we had such a showing from Demko in the bubble. I think that's a big reason for this. Uh, if anyone's forgetting, uh, 42 saves on 43 shots and then 48 saves on 48 shots. Yeah, that was Those a, were two that games was a record, I believe, against yeah. a very good Golden Knights team. So I think we're feeling pretty good about that. And then I actually, I was already a big Holpe fan uh, for all my fantasy lovers out there. Holpe was Mr. <laughs> Consistent I'm talking three seasons in a row of 40 plus wins. And when you were talking about those Capitals, you said they had Ovi, you said they had Carlson and you said they had Holpe. That was, that was how they were doing it. I, I like Holpe. I like the duo. And I think, I think we saw some great stuff in our, uh, in our preseason games with the team from our goaltenders. We'll see. That's definitely. I thought I was being optimistic, honestly, and then you came in, and I was like, "No, I, not even, not even the same level." <laughs> I'm optimistic for the the save percentages and big games these goalies will put up. I'm not necessarily optimistic for it translating to a lot of wins, just because I'm scared of the Canadian, and that's what we'll talk about later. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and I think the uh, the North Division being what it is this year, it looks to me 
like it's going to be a high scoring division. So a lot of teams that like to move the puck get moving end to end. So hopefully that'll be fun. It'll lead to some fun and exciting games. Uh, ability to make a big key save or two theoretically should be important. And more than anything, I don't know. Goaltending's voodoo. It's the dark arts. And to be honest, like I hope we'll be better. Uh, if anything, the biggest loss for the Canucks in Marksham is the fact that it really stabilizes one of their biggest rivals this year and the team they're going to be playing a lot. That's what's frustrating to me. And it really, it's, I mean, more this year, more than any year, it's hurting them. In fact, that you're losing it to the, to a division rival. And like, he solves a bunch of Calgary's weakness, which is goaltending year after the year. They didn't know. And I mean, I'm confident that Markstrom's still going to be a very solid goaltender this year. I still don't and, feel like Calgary's yeah. had a goalie since Kiprasov. This is their first really, goalie they haven't. in so long. They haven't. <laughs> and so you see why they pay for it, man. I mean, it makes sense. It's one of those things that, you, like, if you don't have, you do anything to find. Well, because, well, that's what we're saying about it being voodoo. Goaltending yeah. goes from being the most frustrating thing in the season to being your life support in the playoffs. Yeah, I, true. I mean, it's, it's also like, if you were, like, honestly previewing any hockey thing ever, you'd be like, well, really, honestly, it just depends on which goaltenders. Um, if, like, one goaltender decides to stand on his head, then it's yeah. none of the rest of this really matters. But like, I feel like over. that's just obvious. And you're just like, this is boring. But not but boring, but you're like, this is like a stupid thing to say before that people don't really say it. But it's, it's as simple as that sometimes. But that's what makes exactly, or breaks teams. That's exactly my point on uh, on our tandem. And I do think every team is going more towards having two strong goalies they feel confident in. And both of these goalies are willing to stand on their head. They may let some shots and yeah. we may lose a game because of them, but I could definitely see us winning games because of them at times. And that's fair. I'd say that's very fair. And so you just hope you come out on the positive side of that ledger. Yeah. And also having two capable goalies in a year of just back to back to back to backs is going to be huge, huge. And, uh, and I also so remember them I'm saying hopeful. at the end of the playoffs last year about how much psychology plays into it for the, the players in front of the goalie. Now mm-hmm. that our, our young guys feel, I think, a lot more confidence in Demko after seeing what he could do in big moments. Sure. Uh, I've, been, I've heard that that can really help a team uh, flourish in front of a new goaltender for a new season. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, hopefully. But we'll see. Um, and so I can't wait for the season to start because – who really knows? Um, Who let's knows? Start, yeah, let's start talking about some of those guys that are, that are going to be playing in front of the goaltenders. Yep. And it's where the Canucks made the other major acquisition of the offseason, and that's bringing in Nate Schmidt. Nate Schmidt. Honestly, I thought that was the real move that I'll give Benning a ton of credit for. Getting Schmidt for third-round pick, a guy who's been like a very solid top-four defenseman, kind of in the 2-3 range, I would say. Yep. The last few years, um, averaging about a point a game, playing like, and he moves the puck really well, especially watching him in that Vegas series last year. He's fast, he moves the puck really well, and he's so willing to activate. That's what I'm so excited about. He's way more offensive than Tanev. And if there's one thing that that last game against Vegas showed us, we only had 14 shots in that whole game. Uh, I think having a, a, a defenseman, like you said, that's willing to make plays like Schmidt. I mean, 31 points last season. That's that's nothing to laugh about. The Canucks were two different teams when Hughes was on the ice and when Hughes wasn't on the ice. Even more so than when Patterson wasn't on or, or not. Because when the Hughes was on the ice, he I've never seen someone, honestly, so good at breaking the puck out. I mean, there's probably other guys, but he's like... He's absolutely a lead in breaking the puck out. And the Canucks didn't have a single other defenseman that could do it effectively and consistently. Yeah. And Schmidt can. 
And separating those two makes the most sense to me because you're going to have like what four or five, six of the game covered with yeah. at least one defenseman on the ice who can consistently break the puck out, which is a big deal, honestly. Not to mention the second power play. I think he'll be so helpful. Mm-hmm. We only had one defenseman that could. Yeah, <laughs> he was trying his best. <laughs> he was trying his best. He won't be able to unleash those clap bombs that hit shin pads 75 times a year. I think Edler is more than happy with the new situation that he gets to to deal with having, like you said, a, a defenseman alongside Hughes, or actually not alongside, that we can now separate and uh, and hopefully open up some more offense. I bet you Edler would literally, if he's not on the power play, is only going to use maybe a tenth of the sticks he normally does in the season. <laughs> I think that's a good over-under. That decision <laughs> saved sticks' lives. It saved their lives. So many. It doesn't even, uh, bringing in an agement. Is so that's what we lives. did it for. We did it for the sticks. <laughs> I mean, honestly, every time I see him snap, I'm like, you know, honestly, that's $250. I would <laughs> <laughs> just give it to me if you're going to break I, it. Seriously. Um, anyways, and let's talk about the other, uh, sorry, the other um, defensive acquisition the Canucks have recently kind of made. We'll see. Honestly, it's still not official. And that is bringing in Travis Hamnick on a PTO. Yeah. Um, which does a lot to kind of stabilize the uh, bottom end of the Canucks defense. I like Hamnick. I think I think that was a, a good addition. I think like like we've said, it's about, it's about having consistency in someone you can hopefully trust. Uh, and fingers crossed, that's my hope. Um, I don't know. It scares me because I feel like I said similar things about Myers at one point. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I did a little bit of research on Hamnick here to get a little bit more into his uh, season last year. And I got to say, defensively, last year, he was much poorer than I've realized. And in that large part, because he was playing 21 uh, minutes a night over, which is even more than 10 of us playing, playing in like a top pair role, defensive pair role in Calgary. And mostly kind of getting caved in because at this point, he's not mobile enough to consistently play that. In a lot of ways, he's similar to the fact to Tanev in the fact that both once consistently uh, solid defensive defensemen, I would say Hamnick even now is a better puck mover and more effective offensively than Tanev ever was, but Tanev was better defensively. Yeah. But both have lost mobility and they're somewhat injury prone. And so kind of swapping out. And to be honest, if Tanev was going to be four years, Hamnick on a PTO, and I guess we'll see what he ends up coming in around. Probably be a vet's minimum, minimum or something like that. Um, I mean, I'm I like that. It makes me feel a lot better about the uh, the Canucks back end because they had gotten to a situation where if they'd had one significant injury to uh, Hughes or if Edler wasn't really there, that you're relying on Myers then for heavy minutes. Ben maybe stepping up into a top four role, potentially you Levy, and I did not feel good about that. I feel yeah. much better about Hamnick playing 18 to 19 minutes a game no definitely i agree um i think i think both like you said tanev and hamannick have similarities i think honestly they're both maybe being asked to do a little bit more than they they should be in their careers uh mm-hmm. at their point they're not that old i just don't know if they still like so you physically, said physically they're not what they were they're not but what they're they just, were they don't have that same mobility and that's what that's and that makes or breaks a lot of guys so when it comes to contract length yeah i'll take hamannick and like we yeah. said, I think Schmidt is the is the big defensive change here is the fact that like if Hughes is, is out, we still have someone on the blue line that's willing to to make some passes and, and make it happen. Seriously. And uh, I mean, what will also be interesting is this is clearly Yulevi's time. He's playing. He's in the top six. It's happening. 
we'll see. I, I, I mean, I'm interested to be honest. Uh, I mean, I think realistically he'll be, hopefully he'll make some mistakes. Hopefully Did you watch decently any of the inner squad games? On. Yeah. What'd you think? Of I, he's looked, he's looked fine. Honestly, he doesn't, he's obviously, he doesn't look like a top four defenseman right now, but he looks like an NHL defenseman, which exactly. is a huge step up from where he was. So yeah. that's a big deal. Uh, Ben's been pretty good throughout some of the training camp, which is good. Cause I mean, I was a big fan of that acquisition last year because he was really good in Montreal the year before. And then last year, honestly, it was just bad. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Hopefully he is somewhat of he a bounce turn back. It around. Yeah. And uh, then you got Myers, man. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then we're just going big, I, I big man on not, campus. I got uh, nothing to say. I had forgotten that, that you levy was a fifth overall pick way back in 2016, but maybe now five oh, years in the oh. making, uh, maybe now is his chance. Like you said, man. he looked like someone that can play as a, as a third line defender. And that's all we ask of him right now. So if he could just make it on the squad, that, that'll at least be great. Cause He's had a circuitous and a long and a much tougher route to get here than you would have predicted. I mean, yeah. he was, I mean, you look back like that Finnish World Junior team he was part of in that 2015 year with Line A, Piliarvi, and uh, Levy and Aho, I think. It was a big one, and he was a big part of it. What's funny is Aho went the latest of all of them is probably the best right now. Yeah, wow. That's interesting. Yeah, that is a fair point. Yeah. But even like yeah, like purely Arby hasn't turned out the way we thought it was gonna be. And you Levy, I mean, he was the definitely the best defenseman in that tournament. And just uh, I'd like to point uh, out, even though it was 2016, he was just a kid. He is still only 22. So I know. who knows what this could turn into? Yeah, so we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm just excited at least that he's gonna be in the lineup. And it looks like uh, we're also gonna get some Jalen Chatfield this year. Um, I've always been a fan when I watched his game. It's just really steady. Kind of looks like ten of light. Which isn't great, but I mean, like, <laughs> you know, not, uh, I don't know something. how I don't know how much we'll get of him. I'll let you uh, cast the opinions on him. I yeah. don't know a whole lot. <laughs> no, um, we'll see. But he's gonna be a steady sort of like if you put him in the lineup, you just hopefully that he's not gonna cost you. Which at a certain point may come in handy in an NHL season, to be honest. Because at some point <laughs> when the bodies start going down, you're like, just get someone in who's just not gonna kill this squad, and he's a guy who could do that. Uh, Jack Rathbone throughout some of the training uh, the training camp intra squad games, but kind of so so. Um, I think he's a guy like he just finished uh, college, so he probably needs some time. Yeah, but uh, I mean we'll see. Actually, like we I said, better depth about, is gonna matter this yeah. year. Yeah, I'm gonna say, and I feel better about this Canucks of, Canucks defensive group than I did last year, and it's entirely because Schmidt's there. That's, that's saying a lot. I like I was a big fan of him before. And I'm excited to see him play. He also seems honestly fantastic. I think Canucks fans are going to love him. He does not shut up. Like this, it's great. If you've watched his mic up, it's maybe the best mic up I've ever seen in my life because he just talks, 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 talks. And he's with Edler too, which is makes it even better. Who's just like the quiet, quiet Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, the ep- yeah. Sorry. It's going to be such a nice pairing. And like you said, yeah, I feel like. Uh... I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much on him, but I really do have my fingers crossed because he's been he's been a good defender for a while now, and mm-hmm. and we might be asking him for a bit of a bigger role, but he's had some pretty big roles, and uh, and if his energy in interviews is any uh, <laughs> instinct of what's going to happen, then <laughs> also what's going to be great too is uh, and Thomas Drantz wrote about this in some of his bubble articles about the uh, about the fact that like they he could hear. Or, all of what the players are saying on the ice, right? 
And so one of the things Nate Schmidt does all the time is he goes, whoop, whoop. When he's coming out with the ice, he starts whooping. Like you can hear it in the mic up too. He whoops. Like he doesn't call for the puck. He makes this super loud siren noise. And like, so you can hear it. the mic up. And we're going to be able to hear it though in the season because there's no fans. That's going to be cool. And I also, <laughs> I think that's a great way to notify your team where you're at. I love that. Exactly. You're going to be able to hear this guy. He's going to, so you're always going to notice him. He may, you know, from time to time, he gets burnt. But if ever there was a season fun. for players to be loud, it is this season. Seriously, I know. We want to hear it. I'm going to appreciate it now. What about right, the rest of training into, camp? Yeah, let's get into this forward group. And honestly, the real, like, we've kind of saved the biggest story of training camp right to land. And that's the emergence of Nils Hoaglander. Hoaglander? Hoaglander. I don't know either. You know, you think they just ship in Swedish Swedish pronunciation experts for Vancouver Canucks fans because at this point it would have paid its dues between like all the Swedes we've had. At this point, we need someone in the front office whose strict job is these pronunciations. <laughs> I've heard Elias Pettersson's name said so many different ways by everybody that I'm still like I don't know for sure. <laughs> He's I just love those arguments when it's a name like that where someone is so like when someone's coming at you and you've heard we've heard yeah. Pettersson for a while and you still have someone that's like it's Peterson and you're like. I give up. But really, give up. really, <laughs> it's Petrosson. Petrosson. Yeah, it's like Swe- Swedes <laughs> have this like chon. And like, uh, and Hoaglander's name has the umlaga, the like it, the two dots the over two the O. Dots. Which apparently is a different le- letter. It's not like an O. I don't understand. Anyways, so I'm just going to call him Hoaglander for now. And then when we change it, we'll change it. <laughs> 20 years old, 40th overall in 2019. And what a training camp. I've been, he's been a guy that I've been excited about, but kind of, I mean, just waiting for a little bit. I'm like, I remember the hyper on Cole Lind, for example, and uh, I thought that was going to be a guy that was going to make him the squad, and he's still on the outside and really not even close. Yeah. But Niles Hoaglander, in watching some of his play, he's an example of what you got to do if you're 5'9 or 5'10 or below to make it in the league. And that's understand how to leverage. It's one of the biggest skills in the game nowadays. The fact that you can't clutch and grab as a defenseman like you used to. Like you look back in the early 2000s, even honestly, post-lockout to some degree, NHL defensemen straight up put their hands out. They grab players, like even quickly. And it made smaller guys so difficult getting past bigger guys. Watching Hoaglander highlights, and he's a guy who's been playing against men now in Sweden for I believe three years. Which is so helpful. He understands leveraging unbelievably well and he gets into an under defenseman and his edges are fantastic and his puck skills are also as we've all seen with those lacrosse goals really (laughs) really really good what's been impressive though is he clearly has hockey intelligence which is like like so often you see these youtube highlights of guys that like have really impressive puck skills maybe impressive skating and then lack hockey intelligence and you're like why does that not come together it's because then you watch him in a game and you're like they're just making shitty plays like jake for for example Sorry, Jake, to throw you under the bus. <laughs> Classic example. He's everything, but he lacks hockey intelligence. Nils Hoglander at least seems to have hockey intelligence. And if he comes out and is a legit top six contributor, and the Canucks have a contributing solid top six rookie for the fourth year in a row, I'm absolutely over the moon. Well, that would be just so amazing. And so is that your thought? Because we are a team that, that does like to look at training camp to actually have guys prove themselves. And, uh, and this guy has earned uh, a top six spot. He's a second liner as of, as of what we're looking at today. If, if, if lineups are what we were to expect, uh, he's going to be in there with uh, Pearson, Horvat, and of course him. So do you see that sticking? Do you think he's going to be 
a top six this season? You can't really know until you get in the season. That's a short answer. Like, I don't really know. I hope so. I just, I, what I do know is if he, if he contributes 45 points this year, or what's the equivalent? I guess like 30. Yeah, we got to do those quick conversions. Oh, in our I head. know. It's a pain in the ass, honestly. We're trying <laughs> to avoid numbers math. because of it. Too yeah. much math. It's ridiculous. Anyways, if, let's say if he scores 30 points this year, just over like a point and a half, sorry, a half a point per game, that's game changing. That'd be team. so valuable. Because that was the biggest hole they had in this lineup after they lost fully. And to be honest, when you look back at the history of successful teams, you look at most, the most part in successful drafts. And the fact that the Canucks have a real shot here for the fourth year in a row of producing a legitimate contributing rookie, which is way harder than people realize. Remember that dearth throughout the entire, basically back half of the Gillis era where no rookies other than Bo Horvat made the team forever. Yeah. Or at least like we're important. Yeah. And like Sergei Shirokov would tear up preseason. We're like, he could play. Yeah. Four years in a row of getting three, well, three years in a row of Calder Trophy nominees and a fourth year of, I don't know if Hoaglander is that good, but like a contributing rookie. That changes a team's fortunes significantly. And it's so exciting for the fans. Youth is such a, a big part of the game now. Speed is so valuable. Uh, and these young guys getting these big moments, I mean, that's the best thing about being a Canucks fan right now is that we, fingers crossed, will hopefully get to have Pedersen and Hughes in our lives for an extended period of time now. Mm-hmm. And honestly, a Hoaglander is also a super fun player to watch. Like, anytime you watch him, like, he's on the puck. He's really, really quick. Makes interesting, creative moves. He tried what would have been almost one of the most spectacular goals I've ever seen in a I – don't, I think it was a World Junior game, or at least it was just a Swedish, Swedish international game, where he cuts in front. There's two defensemen uh, down in front of the goalie, and he tries faking the pass, picking the puck up, spinning around with the puck out, stuck to his stick blade, and throwing it in on his back end. Like, you just search it up. Like, uh, there's so many Hoaglander highlights. Like, it's not the lacrosse goal. It's the one where he literally tries, like, picking up, like, coming in mid-slot. He's in the middle of the ice and tries picking it up and spinning around and throwing it in the net. It's unbelievable. It doesn't work, but it's, like, he really tries things. He scored the lacrosse goal now, like, three times. I'll take I'll take the effort any time of day. If someone's going for it, then why not? Right? Those are those are highlight plays that can that can keep you with the team for who knows how long. It's fun uh, to watch, honestly, and I gotta love that. And the one thing I will say is, looking back at uh, the draft notes on him, it's a decent skater. Uh, like you said, he works hard, uh, plays well along the board. So I just hope that he can really show us some good stuff as a skater because I think we're gonna need that from him as a as that player on that line. His edverks, his edverk is really solid, and uh, he cuts towards the net a lot. I mean, it's one of those things that when watching players, I always know when they have an opportunity to get the puck to the net, like just bring it in at front. How often did they do it? And he's constantly just get the puck in high danger scoring opportunities and let what will happen happen. Well, and I think Horvat's going to really look forward to that. I think Horvat wants to have a great season, and I think he's going to look for him. And Pearson can, Pearson's ready to shoot. He'll find the right spot to be in. Sure. So if, if Hoaglander can really move around on the offensive zone, I think that's going to be really helpful. We'll see. He may be off the second line, and we may not see him for the rest of the year after two games, but I'm hopeful. That's true. I am hopeful. <laughs> that's true. And so just a quick look at the rest of the bottom six here. I mean, it's pretty similar to what we saw in the playoffs. We, in practice, what I believe this is so January 11th, 
um, two days before the start of the regular season, which is wild. They had a third line of Roussel, Gravette, and Vertanen, and then fourth of Mott, Beagle, and Sutter, with the extras being uh, Michaelis, who's really stood out throughout camp, and Zach McEwen. And looking at that bottom six of our forwards, I actually feel pretty okay about it this year. I, I don't I don't mind any of those players. I think I, I hope that Mott's playoffs isn't influencing my head too much. And after seeing his uh, aggression here in the the, the preseason, uh, it'll be <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what kind of stuff he's hoping to bring to the team this year. But I think I'm comfortable with all those guys. Uh, Beagle is a consistent centerman. So I think I'm, I'm happy with those pairings if we have them set up, like you said, similar to the end of last year. Yeah, and honestly, I just want to bring this right to what I think may be the X factor for the Canucks season, and that's Adam Goddard's boss. <laughs> I can't speak <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, we'll see if we edit this out or not. I can uh, edit that out. That's hilarious, though. I don't know why I got stuck in that. Uh, and Sorry. So that brings me to what is the X factor, I believe, of this Canucks season. And that is, what is Adam Gaudet this year? Is he a third-line center that you can trust to maybe kill some penalties? At the very least, hold his own relatively in possession, chip in, let's say, 25 points, maybe get 10 goals? Is that a reasonable expectation? Does Antoine Roussel on that line get back up to what we saw in his first year in Vancouver, or is he last year? What the hell is Rattanen? <laughs> really the whole third line is the x factor if that third line is a contributing line then the canucks could honestly challenge for the division if they were what they were last year they're 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 in a battle i i agree that that third line is going to be really important uh i do hope uh Gaudette can i want Gaudette to really give us some good defensive stuff mm-hmm. this year i feel like i had i i had the chance to see him and uh show some exciting offensive moments and I know he is a good uh, defensive forward, but I think that line is going to really need to, to buckle down. And, and we've seen that Vertanen wants to be a, a power forward, even though I still wonder sometimes. So it'll, it'll be a good season for that line, hopefully. So interestingly, apparently Godet had a stomach condition for years throughout like a lot of his teenagers and stuff where he really struggled to keep on weight. And he's starting to think now, apparently this year that with his dietitians that, They've got a better job under it. But, I mean, it's true. Like, he's always been, like, a very skinny guy. I mean, his weight here in HockeyDB, which is, I mean, kind of sketch, is only 170 pounds, considering the fact he's six foot one. But he's a guy who's always, like, strength has never quite been his forte. It may not be possible from the sounds of it to, for him to add the sort of strength that he may want to, which is on, super unfortunate. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully he's able to add. If he can add a bit more strength, get solid in draws, get... 48, even 49% of draws, kill some penalties, bring it to the net, and help lead a productive third line. It's the sort of difference in a team that can take you from, like, just like everyone else, just fighting and clawing to make it in to a legitimate contender, personally. I guess that weight thing, maybe that's why he, when with that uh, incident with Mont, he flew. I was worried for a second. I that thought was, that was going to be an injury. <laughs> that was sketch, man. That was not great on Mott's part. I understand why he fought him. <laughs> that was uh, bad. But no, I'm really hoping he, he, wins some, he wins some face-offs. He had uh, 33 points last year in 59 games. And then um, he was nothing in the playoffs. He was, he, fell, he was nowhere. And that was the issue is, which are you going to get? And you start to also, this season's going to be a mental toll on a lot of these players too. And we have decent amount of young guys like oh that's 24 that's still pretty young 
I just hope that the young guys are more inspired to to take on the challenge of this hard year uh, than it being the opposite where they're they're mentally drained. True. Either way, I cannot wait for for us to see. So excited! Oh, the season is right around the corner. We're gonna be in Edmonton. I honestly, I can't believe it, but I am excited to watch. And there's so many weird teams that we're going to be playing. True, true. And I think that we should bring that into uh, some of our predictions right now then. I think it is time for season predictions. The North Division this year, I am absolutely giddy. Not like It'll be fun. It'll be a ton of fun to just play all the Canadian teams. Twitter is going to be absolute madness. Honestly, (laughs) it'll be also, it'll also be a good year to kind of dispel East Coast bias. Because these Eastern teams are going to be seeing the other Canadian Western teams a ton. Yeah. So Toronto Maple Leafs fans, a bunch of Canadians, they'll get to see just how good Elias Pedersen is. And we're going to get to see, honestly, just how effing good Austin Matthews is and how much fun to watch Mitch Barner is. I'm excited to see. Also, there are some fantastic young stars in Canada. Some of the biggest stars in the game are congregating these Canadian teams. And for the most part, they're really solid offensive teams that like to play fast. This is what's so exciting is I feel like it wasn't even that long ago when we would have made a joke like uh, Canadian teams, what are we doing? We're not holding up as we should be. Uh, But this season, I actually feel like Canada's got some competitive teams. And if anything, they have some exciting players, like you said. Each of the Canadian teams has a strength that is really elite, that they're really good at a couple of things that make you think, wow, this team could really contend. And then they have a flaw that makes you think all of it could unravel. Well, and for Calgary, that was goaltending, which is stressful. And they have Marsham now, but even you look throughout the rest of the roster, it's kind of dropped off a bit, and their defense is not what it was. Their defense is not, and I think that that's going to be a huge – that's something I'm hoping is that our offensive uh, Canadian division uh, with with teams like the Oilers and us having these really fast, brilliant forwards, I'm hoping that that's what takes the, the Flames apart. Uh, I do know – Markstrom will have his games, but we also haven't actually seen. I mean, Gaudreau and Monaghan are, are great, but I'm trying not to, to worry too much about the Flames, but we're going to play them a lot this year. The, the Flames have taken enough from us. We can't make this podcast about them, too. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it'll be. I, I want to compare who you have listed throughout the, throughout the division. I've done my full one to seven here. You ready to go? I'm ready to go. Yeah. Why don't you lead off here? Who do you have seven? Seventh in the North North Division. Yeah. I and it sucks for me to say this because I do have Murray on my fantasy team, oh, but yeah, I still I mean, have Ottawa. the Senators. Yeah. That's a, I think Ottawa's gotten definitely got better, but you just, I do think so too. Step behind for sure. I think Dadanov's actually a good player. I think Shabbat's gonna have a, a big season, and I think Murray is a better goalie than they've had in a while. I just I just think this they're not they're not gonna they're gonna be seventh. Yeah. Uh six, I have Winnipeg. Wow, taking it apart. Helly had quite the season last year, and we're still talking about a team, despite all their controversies internally, still some great players on that team with Shifley, Wheeler. That's true. That's that's the issue with the year, though, man. Is that There's why, is that why you let go of Kyle Connor? You thought Winnipeg was going to fall off? No, it was just I had Malkin instead. No, was, I, had, I was upset to lose Connor. I think he'll be good. But um, no, so, Winnipeg 6, who do you have 5th? With my no, I don't have I don't have Winnipeg sixth. I have um, I have Montreal sixth, and I'm scared about that. Wow, really? Yeah, I know that they got That's better. Interesting. All right. 
I know that they got better, but I don't know. I might be putting too much weight onto um onto last season's uh rankings. All right, fair enough. Who do you have fifth then? Uh fifth, then I have no, it's not even Winnipeg. Then I actually have Calgary. In fifth? Yeah. So we line up here again. I have Calgary fifth as well. Calgary in fifth. Okay. Then fourth. My fourth. I, I have Winnipeg. You go first. Well, mine's oh. just more expected. Homer. I have Vancouver in fourth. Vancouver in fourth. Is a homer. I almost put us out of the playoffs, to be honest. I'm just so I hopeful. Hope. I'm so hopeful. I'm me too. I can't help but be like, <laughs> I let's please. If any year, this would be a very important year to make playoffs. But yeah, I have us fourth. All right. Then third. I this have Montreal. Is, you have Montreal. So you really you yeah. really jumped on them. I mean, Carey Price might have it, but Carey Price might but, also get injured right no, away. You got to look at the acquisitions they made throughout this year. Their lineup is much improved over where it's been. And the fact that their young centers showed throughout the bubble last year, they may be able to take a step. I'm excited. I think Montreal, a lot of places I saw, had them first. Honestly, that's who I thought you had first. No, no. I. So this is the thing. Last season in the bubble, I was like, wait, is Nick Suzuki one of my favorite players now? He was sweet. I'll agree with that. Um, and Montreal still like does have a great team, but I still I don't know if it's going to be this season for them. I mean... They have an identity, which is important. I they could have a real a identity I could already. See a, I could see a Quebec team we'll thriving see. with all this shit going on anyway. <laughs> Anyways, who do you have third? Um, <laughs> I don't want to get, I, I don't get that in Quebec already. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then so third, so then this is where I was, I was struggling with Edmonton and Vancouver because uh, I don't want to be too much of a homer, but I still think Edmonton... I don't believe in their goaltending. I know you always think oh, Vancouver this second? is going to be wow. the this is going to be the be the year, but no, I still think I still think Edmonton third. Oof! That, wow. So Vancouver second, then I guess by inference, and then Vancouver second and Toronto first. And I'll follow up with I had Edmonton second, uh, and Toronto first. I think Toronto probably. I almost across the board, I had seen people picking Toronto. I've seen a few people pick Montreal personally because some people are very high on the acquisitions they made this offseason. Um, but I think, I think Toronto's got a lot to prove. I think they seem to be absolutely excited to get going in a division without Boston and Tampa Bay, which would have like those were two of the top five teams in the league the last couple of years, and they're away from them. They're going to have the style to play offensively. I think they've actually improved their defensive core. And I think yep. Freddie Anderson's in, in line for a good year. They're also playing Marner and Matthews together. And that is going to be really deadly. It'll be a ton of fun. And they also, I feel like last offseason, they had some more uh, stressful things to deal with. Whereas I feel like everyone is on the same page this year with Toronto, uh, which will be really helpful for them. Matthews had such a great season last season. You forget uh, just how good he was uh, in the, the games that were played last season. So, yeah, I think I think Toronto will be will be good this year. That's why I, I think Tor- Toronto's been a team that uh, for a few years, it seemed like it was under so much pressure that it forgot to have fun playing hockey. And that they didn't seem like they were having fun, that they were playing with Babcock. And they brought in a bunch of guys who love fucking having fun. They And they love <laughs> hockey. This is the yeah, thing. Yeah. People aren't realizing hockey. Jumbo Joe is about the culture. That's yeah, what uh, that is for. thousand percent. That's why I really like that acquisition. Because whether whatever he gives you on the ice this year, it's more important what he gives you off the ice. And I am part of the gospel of Jumbo Joe. He was an amazing player for so long. And now Matthews yeah. gets to talk to him on a consistent basis. Yeah. 
Everybody loves him. Everybody loves him. Um, so you have the Canucks second, though. Wow. That's, I, uh, well, and I went back and forth. I, I honestly almost had them like sixth at times when I went back and forth. I really struggle with this North division. I had the exact same thing. Honestly, I went through so many different variations. I had one time. I had Calgary second, and then I had them out. The only thing I stayed the similar, same was Winnipeg, Ottawa, and Toronto, all in the same spots for all my variations. But Edmonton, Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary, and you can include Winnipeg. I personally went, but I fully get why you'd include them. Yeah. The, uh, any, I could see literally any order. I'm really excited to watch hockey this season because of how much – there's so many players I actually like in this division. Yeah. Like, there's so many stars. And every team's got some flaw that you could just see derailing their season or oh. just like it, it'll be, it'll be dramatic and the storylines will be spicy. The storylines will be so intense this Oof. year. And it'll be short too, which is crazy. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be a real sprint too. Only 56 games. Well, that's well, where I really struggled. I, that's why I think Edmonton might actually be sick um, because it's a short season. They can just go like, they're already go full steam ahead with their, with their stars. So this could sure, be true. Sure. All right, let's get into some of the other division winners here. Yep. All right, so <laughs> I don't have the sponsored names ready to go here, but uh, we'll just stick with the uh, new ones. So first off, we have the uh, West Division here. That's with uh, Colorado, Vegas, St. Louis, Dallas. So let me get you, the No, not Dallas. Division. Are you going to name all the teams or just the not good Dallas? teams? No, not in the West here. Really, just the good If we're naming them all, it's Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Los Angeles, Minnesota, San Jose, St. Louis, and Vegas. But you did say the three, Colorado, (laughs) Vegas, and St. Louis. Yeah, that's what it came down to. I have Colorado. I have Colorado as well. Fair enough. On to the East Division. That's with Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington, Philadelphia, New York, New York, Buffalo, and New Jersey. Who'd you take? I really struggle with this one, actually. Um, Pasternak's out. Otherwise, I would have gone with Boston. The same, yeah. Um, Ovechkin's getting old, and I really want Samsonov to have a great year. I have a feeling Crosby's going to have a great year. I'm not as big of a Flyers fan as a lot of people. Uh, So after all was said and done, I went with Washington just for the consistency. So I went with Boston, then I went with Philly, then I went with Washington as well. Oh, did you end with Washington as your first choice for the East? No way. They they won last year, too. Washington, honestly, for the most part, wins divisions. They do. uh, They like season play. Yeah, the core is there. They should have some decent goaltending. Yeah, and as much as I feel like they're old now, like Kuznetsov is still not that old. Like Carlson's actually only 30, I think. Like they're not actually that old. True. And let's hit the Central now. Central, we have Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa Bay. I feel like that's pretty obvious. Right? I mean, you just, you got to jump on Chicago, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, man, they've really fallen apart here before the season's even started. What an off season. Oh, (laughs) jeez, man. (laughs) Anyways. um, I honestly, I really, I first picked Carolina because I wanted to be spicy. And I thought maybe Tampa Bay doesn't give a shit. But I was like, no, it's Tampa Bay. But keep in mind, Kucherov is out. I know, but I know, but I still think Tampa Bay. They've Hedman Vasilevsky. Look at the first line. They have point. They have Stamkos. They have Hedman. They have Sergachev. Yeah, they they still have just, a team. They're McDonough. Like, come on. They are the best team in the league. So uh, I tried to convince myself. Uh, I actually was I was starting to convince myself with Florida and Nashville. I was. Wow. But but I ended with Tampa Bay. A spit take there. That's good. <laughs> I ended with Tampa Bay winning. Yeah, we'll see. I I think Florida and Nashville could be in some for some bad years, but. I don't really know. It'll be interesting. Florida, Literally all the divisions. 
Florida is a state that seems to have no stress when it comes to COVID. And I think that's going to help the Panthers. <laughs> oh, see, that's the opposite. I see. I think that's going to hurt them. I think the Canadian team's in a way better spot because, like, infection rates, for the most part, are lower. Graphic. Oh, yeah. It's going wild in some places right now. LA is like, I don't want to get digressed. The Kings aren't even going to field a team. Look what's <laughs> happening in the NBA right now, man. It's not good. It ha- and it changed so fast. Like literally, if you had asked me a week ago, I would have been like, I think the NBA is okay. And then now I'm actually I'm much not more, sure. I'm much more confident that the Canadian teams will be able to kind of steer clear of infection. There will be already Dallas missing the first week of the year. Yeah. There have been, I think, issues in Columbus as well. There will be teams that miss significant times, miss significant players. That's the one. That's, I mean, that's the monkey wrench in this whole season is that we saw it in the NFL. We saw it in the MLB. And I think we'll see in the NBA. There are just a couple of teams that got written off because of COVID, really. And uh, you don't know until it happens. I'm very grateful and hopeful uh, that we have the North Division because I do think that'll be very helpful. Because um, sure. I just, we all want to see the Stars play as much as they can. Not, yeah. the da- not the Dallas Stars, like the best players. <laughs> I'd still like to see the Dallas Stars play. I feel bad for them, but so I get Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we should hit major award picks, and then we'll end with our cup final picks. Let's do it. I can, uh, I can fly through my award picks if you want. Let's or are we going to go one Are we gonna go one to one? Let's go award, award, one to one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so for the heart, I have Mr. Connor McDavid. Fair enough. I have Nathan McKinnon. But I really struggle between McKinnon and McDavid. I think the Oilers and the Avalanche are going to be full steam offense this year. Uh, I think those teams will have good seasons. But but yeah, end it with McDavid. I just think both are owed the Hart Trophy. I think we've shafted McDavid a few times. Where I think there were some years, the year where they missed playoffs, he probably deserved to win it instead of Taylor Hall. Um, it was yep. not his fault. The team just sucked. He was the best player in the league. I think McDavid. I also think McDavid's going to tear up this division because he always plays well in against Canadian teams. It really does feel like that, and I actually yeah. feel like the Oilers got better. I think uh, Yamamoto, Barry, and uh, Hopkins on that power play line with him is going to be really interesting to see. So I think McDavid's going to enjoy it. So I have McDavid for the Art Ross, Me but too. I have McKin- Yeah, but I have McKinnon for the Hart because I think Colorado's going to win the President's Trophy, and that's. Uh, and actually, maybe that's a question I should have asked you. Is it very is it rare to see the Hart and Art Ross go to the same player? Because I have McDavid for both. Usually, but it's not always correlated. All right. Uh, for the Richard, though, I have McKinnon. Really? Uh, I have Matthews. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I was looking at Matthews for a bit. McKinnon takes more shots than I realized, though. That's true. Yeah, I mean, he could win it. He's just uh, uh, he's almost got too many good players playing with him that he can pass to, and I think he's a very willing passer. But he could. Um, but yeah, I have Matthews. Or, um, the other guy you always got to consider is Ovi. Oh, I love to consider Ovi, but yeah. I I think that I think he's gonna I think he has to take a step back at some point in his life. Until it happens, I'm not gonna count on it. That's, That's the fair. LeBron James policy. That is fair. Until they show it, I'm not gonna presume it. Um, let's on, move on to the Vesna here. This is the one I had the most names written down. I was this is. This is a joke of a category this year because of how hard predicting team uh, wins will be. Uh, it's also going to matter. It's also probably going to matter. Yeah, what division you're in, and that really influenced my pick. It I, did with me too. Oh my gosh, did you? Change I canceled this? all my Canadian goalies. I would not pick a Canadian goalie to win because I'm like, I think the division is going to be too high scoring. Sorry, with Vasilevsky. You did go with Vasilevsky. I think yeah. that is a very safe pick. I decided uh, to go extreme. I love goaltenders, and I, I think. Like it. I think the Avalanche have such an easy road ahead of them 
Wow. Dude, look at that division. Like, they are going to Which goalie? Which one? Which one, though? I don't even know which one. Frank Hughes. Oh! Isn't Grubauer the starter? No way. Wait. See, this is my question. Did you pick a backup goalie to win the Vesna? No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You might be right. Are they going to split time? Yeah, I think they at least split time. But I thought, like, when available, Grubauer was the preferred. Yeah. Frank, who's had such a good season last year, though? Yeah, 241 goals allowed. Look how many games he played, buddy. Also, Grubauer was injured a lot. Maybe Grubauer will get injured again. Okay, well, if... That's locked in. That's locked in. No, no, no. (laughs) Nico. Whatever, I'll take it. It's going to be a hell of a year, everyone. I'm going to hold you to that. Oh, no. I still think Frank Kuz will be Honestly, Matt, if you win that, when you... uh, I deserve something. What do you want? I deserve yeah, I, something. I'll give you twenty dollars if we win. No, that's no. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for you to say a specific phrase on a podcast after you. I'll win tell that. you, Nico McEwen is maybe the most intelligent hockey man I've ever met in my life. Oh my gosh, that would be the year. dream. That is the that is the deal here. I will. I'll say it. That's a that's <laughs> a podcast <laughs> bet. I want it to be extreme, and I think the Avalanche are gonna get a ton of wins. So yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, I was literally gonna say like this is the one, the one award where you could almost like justify anyone, and then you pay for. And then I chose the someone that, that was so, so outside like, of your you realm. Could justify that, <laughs> dude. That division is so weird to me. It is. It is that. That is the weird one. I think they're gonna dominate that. The uh, we'll see what the California teams do. I think San Jose could be a little bit better. I think Anaheim's better than people realize, but I don't know how much better. Um, let's move on to the Calder here. Uh, I, I struggle with this one. I went with Lafreniere, just kept it, kept it safe. This is always a tough one because it never really seems to turn out being the front runner. Like it's not, it's very rarely like the first overall pick. Um, I went with Shesterkin. You did. Okay. He's the oldest and he's going to start a lot of games. And I think the Rangers will be good. Yeah. I mean, they'll be better. They'll have a shot and, uh, maybe that's where I I got screwed up. Was I read a thing that Georgiev was going to be pretty much 50-50 with him, and I was like, hmm. I mean, it could happen if Shisterkin isn't great, but I'm going to go with him. Uh, the guy I had second was Kaprizov, too, just because, like, his KHL numbers are so good that I don't want to completely dismiss that, but I, you can dismiss it. I don't I don't know. My second, I had Hoglander. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. No, I think Man. Kaprizov will be sick, and the Wild actually scare me as a team all the time. They're, they're always somewhat good. Yeah, true. A good dark, dark horse, though, I feel like... Honestly, after watching uh, the World Juniors, would be Cousins in my opinion. I thought like he looked really ready to play in the league to me. Watching that, he's huge. He's a lot bigger than I realized. Um, That's actually a great pick. Got to watch, yeah. But I'm gonna go with Shesterkin. Uh, and let's move on to the Selkie here. Who'd you have? Ryan O'Reilly. That was a good pick. That was. I feel like that should be the odds-on favorite this year. I mean, he's also the Blues captain now. He's gonna be in a featured role. Yep. I went with Anthony Sorelli. Whoa, okay. He's going to be in a big role this yeah. year. Um, what did he come last year? I think he was either third or fourth in the Selkie voting. That is quite the pick. I, I feel He's going to win. He's going to win one of these years in the same way that we used to watch. He's uh, still Couturier. just a kid. He's 23. And he won the cup. And he was fourth last year in Selkie voting. A okay. close fourth, too. It was not, not far behind O'Reilly. So we both looked he's at people the that chops. they have the hunger for he this also, award. 
He's got one of the big things that the Selkie, which probably shouldn't matter considering what the name of the ward is, but always does matter, is you've got to score at least 60, 60 to 70 points to win the Selkie. Really? Is that what you just... think? Who? Who has won the Selkie? No, you're not wrong. Since Chris, it's just not Chris supposed Draper. to be the case. I know, but it is the case now. Like, Kessler didn't win until he scored 40 goals. Was that think... his best defensive year? I don't know, but he scored 40 goals. I think that just makes my case more. O'Reilly's going to have such a big role. Like I said, I think that division is going to be the good teams are good, the bad teams are bad. But that's why I think Sorelli, because he's going to have an opportunity in Tampa that he has never had before. He's the second-line center there. He's going to play. He's going to play power play time. He's going to be either like play some power play one or be featured in power play two. Yeah, and he's going to play heavy regular, regular season minutes, maybe 20 minutes a game. It's going to be a tough matchup role, but he's going to be featured player of that lineup. And when you're a featured player in Tampa Bay, the wards often are not far behind. I just wonder about the Lightning. I don't know how much Kucherov, I think he means a lot to them. Fair. I'd, uh, I'd be more worried if Braden Point was out or Hedman. I'd be most worried if Hedman was out and then Point. And then Vasilevsky, and you then know, Kucherov. You know who Kucherov is, right? He's a, pre- he's a pretty know, good hockey player. But he's a winger. Okay, I see what you're saying. That's why. But, I mean, honestly, the fact that that's... Yeah, exactly, that that's a question. Like, that that's a problem. discussion. Oh, my God. Also, how are they under the cap? They're not. They are, but they're not. But they're going to play. They're going to play, but, they're, but they're, they're at, like, 98 or something. Compared yeah, but they to just like... kept all the good players. And they just put Kucherov on LTIR. No, they had the big loss of Mr. Tyler the Johnson. The cap is a joke, man. <laughs> <laughs> Watching all the cap stuff the Canucks have been doing this week where it's very specific and, like, what day you send down a player, they're not putting Furland on LTR until, like, the day, like, probably tomorrow so they can maximize. It is a joke, man. Just give me the luxury tax and simplify the rest of this shit. Well, this it's is what happens when you win the cup <laughs> is your, your ownership goes, whatever we got to pay, pay it. Fair. Good for them, man. Good for them. That's crazy. Kucherov's going to come back first game of the playoffs, too. Whatever. Let's get to the Norris. I don't know. I'm not going to that bad. I'm excited about the Norris. I think this is going to be a, a fun year for offensive defensemen. The Norris has tended to change hands over the last couple of years. I think Carlson won it last year. Back to back. Um, no, Roman Yossi won it. John Carlson was the odds on favorite oh, yes. the entire year. And then year. Yossi won it, and that surprised me, and it still bothers me now. That's why I said that. Wow. See, this is why, buddy, you got to get into analytics because all, all of what last season, looking into Carlson's play, buddy, to a certain extent, he was just teeing up Ovechkin on the power play, number one, which, I mean, good for you, but you're teeing up Ovechkin. Number two, he is a fantastic offensive defenseman, but he's a lot like Mike Green in that his defensive play – was substandard to best. He's a reputation as being a solid defensor, but his numbers did not back that up. He was definitely taking more risks to improve his offensive numbers, and he did that, and he's a good defenseman, worthy of a Norris Trophy nominee. But Roman Yossi last year was elite, but played under the radar in Nashville. Didn't score quite as much, but really was not far off. Sold 65 points and absolutely carried his team offensively and defensively. All right, so then who do you have it this year? Victor Hedman. I say it simple. I'm top of base cleaning up. Whoa, again. <laughs> what is with you in the lightning? Oh my, okay. It's just the easiest choice. I feel like Victor Hedman, it's like Vasilevsky's probably going to win the most Vesna trophies over the next few years. Victor Hedman's, I mean, he's the best, Hedman's the best defender in the league. So I went with the best defender. So I really, I really wanted to go with Hughes. Well, I thought about it too. <laughs> right? Um, I actually still did take a, a game changer, but I think this team's going to be insane. That's why I'm riding them. So I went with Makar. Oof. 
I thought about both of them, which is insane considering it's their second years. But that, my conservatism over the fact that it usually takes NHL defensemen a few years to peak or at least become fully recognized for it. Yep. But I mean, if two guys can break that trend, they are ushering in a new era defenseman and they could be part of something. That'd be cool. But I'm not bold enough to make that claim right now. So good for you. Call me bold. Good for you. I had Hamilton second. Hamilton second? Yeah. That's fair. Uh, I thought about second very briefly. It was Yossi that was the other one that I was choosing between, but I was like, I don't think they'll go back to back. It's hard. It's like almost the last. It, it, it seems pretty rare. We had uh, Giordano, Hedman, Burns, Doughty, Carlson. The last back-to-back was Lidstrom. Since Lidstrom. <laughs> and he dominated it for. And that's like literally the best defenseman ever. Years. So, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> honestly, I miss Nicholas Lidstrom. Sometimes I honestly, like, especially during the summer and whatnot when there was no hockey going on, I would, like, watch Nicholas Lidstrom defensive highlights. Like, him knocking the puck down out of the air. Like, not him, not, like, offensive Nicholas Lidstrom highlights, but him, like, making very solid defensive plays. And I was I'm, like, I miss him. I'm, I'm sure I've said it before. For me, growing up, I saw the Spurs as the consistent basketball, and I saw the Red Wings as the consistent hockey. Because yeah. they had Lidstrom, and they had uh, Brett Hall, Eisenman, Shanahan. They were so consistent. Icons. Lidstrom is, in my opinion, the second best defenseman of all time. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I can I can Which agree pretty, with that. I know pretty well considering that some of the this guys. recent. Yeah, and his scoring numbers are not like ridiculous. Not like Bobby or like some of the, even like Coffee. Some of those other guys have like much better scoring numbers. Well, but, like you hard. watch him play, and you're like, like I wish we had possession numbers from Blizzard. Man, he would have been like unbelievable. It's hard to it's hard to compare, but but I do I do think yeah if you if you that's somewhere we'd want some crazy advanced stats to show what he does. Especially back in those days too. Cause I feel like nowadays it seems like most teams play similar styles and possessions valued by every single team. But back in those days, Detroit valued possession more so than almost any other team. So they probably would have had crazy. I mean, this is just a hypothesis, but I think they probably would have had insane possession numbers. Like basically things that you don't see like 65% plus, which is like unheard of. That'd be cool. Anyways. I think that brings us to the final and most important predictions of the year. I uh, chose the conference finals as well. I don't know if you did that. Did you just go cup or what? Uh, I can I can say my my conference finals, but but you go first because I think they're they're similar for conference finals. But then then I'll, I'll say my Stanley You'll first. See, I don't I don't I don't think so. So in the so to explain this to anyone who doesn't know, because both of us did not know until we started doing this podcast. It is so the tricky. way this is working is so the first two rounds are only intra-division meaning you're playing it's 1v4 in the divisions that produces a division winner for the conference finals from each division so that'll be four division winners they then are reseeded one through four one v four plays each other and two v three plays each other if that's confusing to you just know that there are four division winners that we currently named and uh and then two will play in the final. So you could see two traditionally West or East teams playing each other in the final this year. And so that's where you best broke it down to me is the fact that round one, round two will be based off the divisions as we've seen them this year. And then once we get into the semis, the conference finals, that's when it's, it's, it's reseeded. And that's where the Northwest central and East could, could be rearranged. True. So I have in the one v four bracket in the cup final as the, let me see. The West Division winner, I have them repeating as both regular season and division win, playoff division winner. 
Colorado Avalanche. Okay. I think they're going to be the President's Trophy winners and therefore the number one seed for the conference finals. And I have them playing Montreal. Wow. Holy. So that's why I was interested. You didn't even have them six. And I, I think Montreal is built to win in the playoffs. I, on count, my, count me. Will they the make fan. the playoffs? Yeah. I think so for sure. I think prices in store for a bounce back year is a lot better throughout the bubble. He is the kind of, of time game changer rest. for that. His, he, honestly, he's been trying to get back so consistently from injury over the last few years. So this is the first time in a long time. He's just had like some proper time. Try to get that body back together. Get Also, he is a backup in Jake Allen, who's going to be able to take probably 20 starts, at least like 30% of his starts this year. Save price for the playoffs. He's going to be ready to go. It's a short season. You're not going to wear him down before you get to the playoffs. They have a very solid defensive group that's just great defensively. They have like eight defensemen, nine even, that I can see playing in the NHL. And then there are four forward lines. Honestly, there's not a ton of star power, but they're just sons of bitches on each of the lines that just grind you down in the playoffs. Claude Julian is a coach that is really good at forming an identity. They beat Pittsburgh in the bubble in the first round, put up a fight against Philadelphia, who was a much better team. They've improved since that, and I think they can carry that exact same attitude and identity into the playoffs this year, and I see them winning, especially in a, in a, in a division where it's a lot of teams, honestly, made for some degree of regular season success but don't necessarily have the horses to pull through defensively in the playoffs. So just so everyone listening knows, when he says not a lot of star power, we're talking about a potential first line of uh, Thomas Tatar, Philip Denault, and I love Brendan Gallagher as much as the next guy, but that's, that's the first line we're talking about. And then when you look at these bottom lines, I mean, they're, according look to at this, the New York Islanders. they're pairing Shea Weber, an amazing defenseman, with Ben Chirot. I don't Chirot? even really... Chirot. Ben Chirot is... See, that's some disrespect right there. You need to learn who Ben Chirot is, man. Apparently. He was fantastic in these playoffs. This, and last year, it was like, went from borderline kind of out of Winnipeg player to is like now a very credible, solid top four defenseman. Are you basing everything off the bubble? No. Is that your whole uh, predictions? No. No, I'm basing it off, honestly, a lot of what, like, they were better in the regular season, I think, than a lot of people gave them credit for last year. And okay. uh, a lot of the models I've looked at either have them winning. And I honestly, I, I, I don't think I'm as out there in picking them as a team to win this as you think. Hey, teams turned it around. They were 500 last year with a minus nine goal differential. But the playoffs isn't always about store power. The playoffs, honestly, is sometimes just about having four lines are better can, than the other team's four lines. So I, I, can I think Montreal can do it. All right. I, I can agree that if the Canadians make the playoffs and price oh. is safe, that they all be, they're interesting, but I don't think they're making it. So, uh, but I, 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 I did unfortunately have the same point system just because I think Canada is going to have such a tough time with each other that I do think the North will end up being that, that fourth in regards to total points. Uh, so I also have the Avs uh, yeah. first and I then had, Ooh, I really went back and forth on this, and I'm still not sure in my in my gut. I have the Oilers. Oof, I was. I mean, they have. It would piss off Toronto so much, but if McDavid and Drysdale are are healthy for the playoffs, this the playoff matchups here. this year are going to be just war, war, um, especially in that North Division where all the teams are going to hate each other. But yeah, I mean, I can see Edmonton getting there. That's the thing with the, almost all of the North Divisions teams, I like outside of Ottawa, I could see him winning it, except for Winnipeg. I don't think Winnipeg could get to the conference finals. No, yeah, I don't. Uh, 
Winnipeg's good, but no, yeah, I didn't have them. Sorry, sorry, Winnipeg. I didn't have them in the uh, debate. All right, and then in the other, the two v three matchup, I have returning the Tampa Bay Lightning mm-hmm. versus the East Division winner, the Philadelphia Flyers. Ooh, the Flyers! You think Alain Yo gets playoff success? Their young guys are going to step up when it matters. Hart, uh, Pavarov, uh, Connectiony, they're going to have a big uh, round one, round two. Count me a believer, man. They were good last year. They were a lot better, I think, than most people realize, just because it was kind of a weird team that kind of came out of nowhere. Their defensive core is very solid. And having Claude Giroux, who's a big-time playoff player, oftentimes isn't going to hurt them. I think the Flyers are going to make it there. So my one thing with the Flyers is in their whole careers, I don't think Giroux... Uh, Voracek, they haven't actually won a cup, right? I always think of those guys as such amazing players. He got to the, Giroux got to the cup final. I know, that's the thing. That was a while ago, though, but I mean... So, so maybe maybe this will be their, their last stand. Maybe you're right. Well, maybe the Flyers are going to go all out. Voracek has dropped off, so he's not a team leader anymore. Even Giroux, honestly, may not even be the leading player on this team. It may be Sean Couturier's team really effectively at this point. But I think also, and you have Ivan Provorov on the back end. You got Travis Sanheim, Philippe Myers. They, all, they brought in Eric Gustafson. Didn't even realize that. Yep. They have a ton of defensive depth. I'm a Carter Hart believer. Okay. I think the, I, there's always like unexpected teams that make it. And that kind of underlines my reasoning too. It's never just the obvious teams. And I went with two obvious teams and two unexpected teams. So I got Colorado and Tampa. Two best teams in the league, and then Philly and Montreal, baby. I wanted to, I wanted to go unexpected teams too. Uh, I, I kind of did slash kind of didn't. Um, so I, I don't believe in the Flyers with you. So yes, Central uh, versus East uh, for the other side of the uh, bracket. And I started. Oof, you're not going to want to hear this. I started having the Panthers making it out. I really, I think they're going to go so hard this year. But I remembered they, that they I think Kucherov. Salary. I think Kutrov will be back even maybe a bit before, like he'll be back and I just can't deny the Tampa Bay team if he's in there. So I have it's Tampa. Panthers beating Tampa Bay. I wanted that. I want that to happen. Carter Verhage is Dude, their second line, first line left winger. I really liked Huberto for a while. Yeah, he's a good player. So is Barkov, but I mean, yeah. they have uh, like no depth. And Yandel and Ekblad. Ekblad's been like forever and he's still a kid. He's not, he's not, he's older than you think. He's not that good either. All right. So, so I do have the Tampa Bay Lightning. And wow. then this is where I'm excited because I want to see this team have another big run. I have the Pittsburgh Penguins. Another, another one. Another, another one. one. <laughs> it, it would be way too much for anyone uh, to not get frustrated, but I wouldn't be surprised. We forget they won it 2017. That's not that long ago. Honestly, Pittsburgh to me, has one of like the biggest ranges and what I think they could be. Like I could I could see them there, or I could see them being San Jose. Right, right. Because that's the thing when you when these sort of teams like they're an older team. Yeah, their stars are aging. Uh, at some point, it breaks. It just breaks, and you never know when it's going to happen. San Jose, they milked way more years out of that core. Like I bet, I know it's falling apart now, and everyone's like, ugh. But they they milked way more years out of that core out of like relevant convention than I thought that they could. And so the question is, when's Pittsburgh's the due date? When are they dead? This could be the year they bust, but I have them making it. Uh, not, they're, not to the... they're very injury dependent. I mean, all teams are, but they in particular. Also, like 
how about Trish and Jari over Matt Murray? I mean, that is that to me is still so fascinating. The fact that like when else ever, ever in NHL history, whenever a goalie has done what Matt Murray has done, they have turned into basically a legendary goalie. Yep. Patrick Waugh. It Cam Ward is like the one kind of like he was still fine. He's still a good career. But he also didn't even like he didn't win back to back cups like Murray did. Like that's pretty unprecedented for a rookie goalie to do that. And he's gone. That's what's amazing to me is wild. It was so clear in my mind. I'm like, wow, they're going from Flurry to Murray, and it's just so smooth. And then he'll be there forever. And Ever, then it was yeah. like Jari. And I was like, it's Wait, gone. what? I and know. then he was just I was I'm still surprised, but I think they I think it's because they really like Jari. Like he's a good goalie. I, I mean, I don't get why. If you're looking at last year and a lot of what you've seen, I mean, honestly, I'm not a Matt Murray Matt Murray fan in part because of the whole Pedersen thing. So it kind of seems like a jackass. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. So uh, they're they are a fascinating team to me. Yeah. So you with Philly, I have Pittsburgh. Let's just hope they play. Yeah, exactly. That's all I hope for. Let's just hope they play. Let's hope that happens. Um, and so we, so I have in my first final, Colorado pulling out against Montreal, and then in the second final. I got Philly pulling off an offset against Tampa Bay. Ooh, I like it. For a Colorado-Philadelphia Stanley Cup final. Yourself? That'd be an exciting Stanley Cup final. I have Colorado beating the Oilers. And then I have Pittsburgh taking the Lightning to seven. And it's tight. And it's close. And we're in overtime. And friggin' Braden Point scores. And I'm still mad. And the Lightning head back to the finals. But they... Oh, well, actually... Are we go for jump? it, go for it, go for but, it, yeah. But they lose to the Avalanche, and the Avalanche win it. Honestly, we get a Tampa Colorado Cup final. I was, I was so desperate for that this year. It's what I look for in life. I think a Colorado Tampa Bay final would make the sport better because both play the type of hockey that I love mm-hmm. and are dominant. And you know, sometimes it's just nice to see the best teams win. It's nice to have upsets every once in a while, but they're fun because you see the best teams win most of the time. I agree. Um, and <laughs> you okay. First off, before I announce my cup pick, I want to say I have I had a philosophy for a long time that like if you pick a cup team, like kind of just pick a team almost for like four or five years until they win the cup. Cause as bad as it is to pick the wrong team for the cup, it's worse to pick a team three years in a row, stop picking them, and then they win the cup. And it just seems like in the NHL that's the story so often that when you think a team's dead, it happens. I picked Tampa Bay for year and year and year and year, and then they finally won. This year, I'm going on Colorado, baby. They're going to win. All right. And All if they right, don't, I'll... you'll stick with it for years I'm gonna to come? I'm going to pick them next year. I'm picking next year, and then I'm picking the year after that until the Canucks are ready to win. And then... <laughs> so I have a similar thing, but the opposite. I, I was like, you know what? I think these Maple Leafs are going to get over the hump at some point. And I think I picked them for one year, and they were so disappointing that year in the playoffs that I was like, I'm not doing that again. So now I try to mix it up every year. So sometimes you can bail, I feel like, but with Colorado and Tampa Bay, I'm like, it's inevitable. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's inevitable that Colorado will win a cup within the next like three to four years. Well, just looking at how good like they are too good and they have too many good young players. Exactly. They're so young. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us here today on this podcast. This was a long one, but I mean, we've got an NHL season coming up, unlike anything that any of us have ever seen before. Embrace the chaos. I am so excited for this season. And uh, yes, this was a long one, but I think it's because there was a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. NHL is coming up. Oh, here we go, everybody. Here we go. Till next time. Thanks for listening.
right for you. That's all right, no mama. Any way you do, but that's all right. That's all right. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe.